Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon. I'm Michelle Lichty, and I am here with David Henderson. Sorry, um, let me get this thing off. There we go. Hi. Got <laughs> something on my screen. Uh-oh. Um, oh, yes, because we are, they have now a, um, I got that too, a new disclaimer for going to Facebook Live. Yes. So, um, yeah, that's new since last week even. <laughs> yeah. Which I suppose um, is good. It's probably a good thing to know if you're being recorded, right? Right. It's good to yeah. know if you're being recorded. It's good to know that you're going live on Facebook for the world to see. As and it is. here we are. <laughs> here we are. And we are here to discuss your sermon from this past Sunday, which um, was based in Isaiah 43, the first 13 verses of that chapter. Um, and it was, it was a different kind of service this week. Um, we kind of, we sang a song and then uh, Jen got up and gave us a little update on the, um, on the student ministries from the past summer. And then the sermon started. <laughs> right. And, and it was like, it wasn't until, I don't know, two or three minutes in that I realized, oh, wait a second, I need to be taking notes now. <laughs> I was like, oh, surprise. Wow. surprise. Yes. So, um, so it was basically a devotional. So we went through, um, you went through kind of almost verse by verse, but not quite like section by section. And then we responded in a particular way to the main point of that section. It's, um, yeah. And you, you use the word devotional and it really gets at something that in the reading I've done uh, about this over the last 20 years or so, uh, looking back at the, the way this, the church has used the scriptures over the centuries, absolutely a thread that runs all the way back to Paul's preaching is taking a text and explaining what it means and learning from it and integrating that truth. So that's, you know, and we are committed to that as a church, absolutely. But this, this kind of devotional way of using a passage of scripture where I let it be God speaking to me and me responding to him, not just truth that's been compiled that I'm learning and integrating. And, and it's that me responding directly to him thing that is so important. So I will mm -hmm. often, like I read a Psalm, I think I've shared this with you. I read a Psalm every day, sometimes the same one, but I just kind of slowly work my way through the Psalms and start back over again and stay with one as long as God's using it to speak to me. And I will often use that in an interactive prayer posture where I'll read the first line. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Lord, that is true of you. That I mean, look how faithful you are. I'm this, this lost and wandering, bleeding sheep. I, I am so often clueless, bumping my head into trees and other sheep. And, and look how faithful you are, Lord, to shepherd me. And, and I have everything I need. There's not anything missing from my life because you are in my life, God, and your heart is towards me. And it's that kind of interactive uh, approach to scripture. And that was really the intent of this whole, it was kind of modeling of that and letting us experience in that together, uh, mm -hmm. taking the Isaiah 43 passage. And instead of just saying, 
and, and we learned this from this mm-hmm. really more saying, wow, thank you, Lord, that this is true about you. Just tur- mm-hmm. turning it vertically often. Yeah. And that's something that has um, really, I'm just trying to find the right words to say. It's something that hit me this summer, I think. Um, I spoke at Westminster and um God had given me a talk in the midst of my Bible study in the spring. And I thought, well, this is where he wants me to use it. And after I was done speaking, I was like, oh, but I didn't really introduce the people to God. Like it just was, it was that pulling the truth out of the scripture, which is important, but I missed the person in it as well. What a a great and painful insight. And I've had the same one at times where I've, I've gotten done. I've got, really really did that one well it's like the lord going hello where was i part of that you know it's um that i don't think god speaks facetiously but that was my own sense of kind of my awareness of my having really mm-hmm. failed to keep him central yeah if mm-hmm. um, i think we can lo- just slip away from that so easily mm-hmm. this is the living god the king of the universe speaking to me now by his spirit mm-hmm. Yeah. So my heart and soul will turn vertically as that happens and not just my mind engage. On Tuesday morning in our staff devotional, Andrew um, printed out all 13 verses for us. And then at the end, encouraged us to pray verse one over the person with whom we were paired for praying and, and substitute their name for, um, for, for like, oh, Jacob or oh, Israel, say that person's name. And it was, I was like, oh, when, when my prayer partner read that over me and prayed that over me, I was kind of, it, it just, is, it, it's, it's kind of brings you to attention. Like, wow, really? this is really about me. Yes. I love that. And I think God wants us to, you know, it's, it's, this is one of those ironies in the Christian life. We're just not meant to take personally so much of what we take personally. But the inverse is true with scripture. We are meant to take personally so much of what we take impersonally. But God speaks to his people. No, this is my word of love or admonition or encouragement to you, my beloved. Do, is that how we read the scriptures? Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I forget that. And I fall back into just brain engagement mode instead of being washed in my soul by words of love. Mm-hmm. It's easy to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And verse two, um, and we kind of talked about, we talked about this on Sunday morning was, is God's amazing promise that he would be, he will be with us when we pass through the waters, when we pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And um, uh, you know, I think you drew the, the parallel to, uh, you know, situations that we've been in, you know, with COVID and with isolation and, you know, and then just today I was working on the, um, our e-news e- and I was just reminded of all of the literal fires and the literal flooding like in Haiti and the, I mean, the 
the proverbial and yet real fire in Afghanistan. And I mean, there's just so much hurt and, and horror in our world today that it almost feels like, is this true? Mm-hmm. Is this really true? Will God really be with me in the midst of my first world problems? And there's so many other issues happening. Yeah, I think uh, we are in our first world um, comfortably isolated from so much. And my sense is that sometimes that can lead us to be uh, jarred by the existence of the world's brokenness in these mm-hmm. kinds of ways. Um, and, and even to say, well, well, no, wait a minute, God, I thought you promised you were going to make everything easy for me. And <laughs> where the, I think this is a place where we as Americans can really uh, start at a, a wrong starting place in reading the scripture. And we miss the places mm-hmm. where even Jesus himself says, hey, you're going to have difficulties in life. You're going to have troubles, but I will be with you. And mm-hmm. yeah, and I think we, we want, um, we want promises and assurances that I'm not going to be hurt. Mm-hmm. And that's not what God says. I mean, he, when he says you'll not be burned, he's talking about, you're not going to be burned up. The flames won't set you ablaze, but um, you're going to feel the water when you go through the flood, you're going to feel the heat when you go through the fire and you are gonna experience floods and fires. I mean, that's the, obviously the, Mm-hmm. The um, assumption beneath this is you're going to face stuff that's out of your control. Hmm. So, so then trying to figure out what is the, what is the way I might experience the presence and strength and encouragement and rest of God outside of, or apart from me, uh, circumstances that are pleasing or satisfying to me or meet my mm-hmm. approval. Hmm. Yes. And I, yeah, I do think that we are insulated quite a bit and think that, you know, it just, it's like that underlying assumption or the, like we said, the last time we talked that water that we were swimming in that we're not even aware of Mm. that we, and we expect life to go well. We expect to be able to meet our goals. We expect to not be faced with life-threatening illnesses or with floods or with fires or with, um, you know, the major obstacles or the death of a child or the death of a, of a spouse in untimely manner. You know, it just, we just think that's just not going to happen to us. And then that creates a theological crisis for us that doesn't exist in the pages of the scriptures, mm-hmm. but only does for us in our first world comfort, which is one of the reasons why, you know, Jesus, Jesus speaks some incredibly probing words to the wealthy, which is virtually all of us who live here in the United States. He says, you know, it is not easy for the wealthy to be saved. And I think some of that is because it's like, well, I put my trust in something nearer to me than God himself. Mm-hmm. And then when I still find myself facing challenging circumstances, I begin to call the integrity and goodness of God into question mm-hmm. instead of, instead of finding him in it. 
because of course I will face struggle because this isn't my ultimate home. Mm. I was just thinking about a, a practical way that that happens. I mean, you know, I've dealt with kidney stones in the past and, oh man, I mean, I, um, I've never felt anything more excruciatingly painful. And I was thinking about how in a really strange way, those are incredibly intimate experiences of Jesus because I'm, mm. I'm pacing in this awkward protective position back and forth in my hallway in the middle of the night, just saying, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. Not an oath, but calling right. out to him. Right. When do, I, when do I speak with that kind of intentionality and focus and fervor to Jesus through an ordinary day? I don't. And there's a way in which the pain shepherds me to him. Mm-hmm. It's the only place I could look. Everything else was just screaming pain and somehow he was there present. And obviously I was calling out to him for relief, but my every call to him drew me nearer to him and let me experience his presence in that. And that's what I remember looking back. I really, I mean, I know it was painful, but what I remember is his presence. And Hmm. I think there's something of the way that that plays out with this. Hmm. It's a mystery how that, how we experience God's presence, but it sure can't be found in God just kind of tidying things up and removing the discomfort. That's a false expectation. It's delightful when it happens and God sometimes does. Right. But I think that's a, that's not a biblical expectation. Yeah. Yes. And um, in the service, after we talked about this verse, then you, you said our response was, Lord, I praise you that blank. And Lord, I thank you that you have blank, Um, which I, I found helpful to think through, um, you know, when have I felt powerless and when have I felt overwhelmed and how have I seen God in that? Mm. And, um, it was just, just a good, for me, it was just a good, um, pause and moment to be thankful. Yeah. Yeah, which is not our first impulse when we're in pain or struggle or challenge. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. interesting, um, Sharon, you know, just went through this major back surgery and and uh, somebody that she has done some work with as she's a spiritual director texted her something and said, may you discover all the ways that God intends to bless you through this. And, and Sharon thought, what an interesting thing to <laughs> pray for. And we pray, may God re- release you from your healing or from your pain. May he bring quick healing to you. May he get you up on your feet soon. And, and she brought this completely different from God's vantage point prayer. May you experience all the blessings that God has for you in this. And that's exactly what the, Hmm. you know, sometimes for me in hardship to turn to God and say, I praise you for, I'm not sure what the word is going to be that comes out at the end of that sentence, or I thank you for, because I'm more focused on what's hard. And that suddenly it's like, it, it kind of clears the fog and I go, Oh, there you are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a good, and which is a great reminder, you know, daily praise and Thanksgiving. We might be surprised at the word God supplies at the end of the sentence. I thank you for, ah, that's right. That is a way you met me today. Oh, that's right. true. That is an aspect of your character I experienced today. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just part of why I kept praying through all this, Lord, open our eyes, Lord, open our eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in the next two verses, verses three and four, um, God says in Isaiah, 
43, since you are protected and honored in my sight and because I love you. And he goes on to, um, you said the language of substitutionary sacrifice. <laughs> I wrote that down in my, in my notes. Um, those are two really big words, substitutionary and sacrifice. Right. And, uh, you know, like, yeah, sometimes I just have to think about those words for a while in order to really understand what that means. Me taking your place because I love you. I mean, that's really the essence of what all of this is. Mm -hmm. And that is boggling. Mm -hmm. That is boggling when you think about it. Because the, what God took our place in, in the midst of, and, and this is actually the context here too. You go back to one chapter, Isaiah 42, and God is saying, my people, you have lost your way. You've forgotten me. How could you so quick? You know, it's God is confronting them with their sin. And mm -hmm. yet... Here he says, but you are precious and honored in my sight, and I love you, mm -hmm. and I will give people in exchange for you. I, it will cost me, is what God is saying. It's the thing that really came through for me as I study this passage. It will cost my love for you. I am prepared to have it cost me for your benefit and for your redemption, for your sake. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's boggling. And then that becomes the paradigm of our love for others. I am willing for it to cost me for me to love you. I mean, what could be more distinctive than of Christianity than that? Right. Yeah. So here is the heart of God, which is such a mystery. It really is. Yeah, it really is. It's just mind blowing when I think about and meditate on that the God of the universe who created everything that we see became a baby hmm. couldn't even feed himself and he chose that hmm. that yeah that's mind-boggling yeah and it's also understandable as you know when you think about that it's understandable why like the muslim faith doesn't accept that as true like mm -hmm. that doesn't make any sense that is that why would anybody give up that kind of power yeah yeah, yeah I, I think, um, well, I've been reflecting recently on the nature of true conversion. Mm. And I remember you made a comment recently that I thought was really insightful that, uh, you know, we were, we were talking about just some of the strange things that are surfacing in people, impatience or quick to judge or, you know, aligning themselves with others kind of against others and mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff. Um, and you talked about people's just being so weary. And one of the things that I've been struck by is that I think like what happens in me when I get really physically tired, the real me comes out more mm -hmm. painfully, mm -hmm. obviously. And it does seem to me that COVID is exposing weariness or something like that, but it also is painfully exposing true care what is really true about us true character true mm -hmm. nature and and i've just been thinking again as i look at a passage like this and i think about god's call to us to live a, this this humble upside down turned inside out for your sake it costing me to love you kind of life in this covid world where i'm just thinking about me and protecting myself and i want i want things on my terms i want my rights honored i want my freedoms 
Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, could there be a more opposed way of thinking? And I just think, and I wonder to what extent does God want us to go back and just revisit the basic question, God, do you have all of me? Mm. Have I let this, these mind-boggling dimensions of who you are, have I let those not just become intriguing to me intellectually, but transformative me by your spirit as a person, where mm. I live that same upside-down life, not perfectly. I, I, I put you first in my life, not perfectly. I... I respond with grace and patience, not perfectly. You know, I think the evidence of that in the midst of this COVID season, that's, yeah, yeah. So I've just been thinking, what is, what is the real redemptive touch of Jesus look like in a person's life? And, mm. and what is getting exposed? And what is the real nature of the work that God has for us? That's mm -hmm. kind of an aside from this. That's really turning it to what is God forming in us? But that's uh, yeah. certainly the heart of God. Yeah. And it just brings to mind something my cousin said, I was having a conversation with him and his wife and he said, you know, we, we get our, our freedom comes from Jesus. Nothing else. That's where our freedom comes from. And I was like, Oh yeah. Yes. That's a good reminder. Yes. And it's not, and it's freedom to love him and freedom from being a slave to sin. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I mentioned to you, I've been I, I'm in the middle of reading uh, Jeff Shiraz, a uh, wonderful two volume book on the history of the American revolution. And just thinking, which is the story we're really living out of? Am I living out of the story of uh, my rights aren't being represented before my king. And so I'm going to, I'm going to revolt. I'm going to rise up and insisting on my rights. I'm going to start mm -hmm. this new and I'm going to be independent. And I'm going to, you know, is that the story we're living out of? Or is it the God of the universe became a baby and died, emptied himself and died for me. Mm -hmm. Laying down his life at cost to himself, laying down his rights in order that he might show love. And which, which of those narratives am I living? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, which that's brings what us, I find myself saying too. <laughs> like, mm. yeah. yeah, well, which brings us to, to the next section, which it's true, is- It's true, it does. Yeah, which is we are not just individuals and that God is creating a new humanity who who he calls by his name so he calls us by our individual names but yeah. then he calls us collectively by his name um yeah the the line that i began with god is passionately concerned with establishing a people who belong to him hmm. you know a lot of people are asking the question across the country these days so what good is the local church i mean why why bother it's a mess. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's at their flawed leaders. It's a, it's a dated institution and so on and so on. Yeah. All of which is true. <laughs> and still um, it is absolutely clear to me that the, the local church is the means for us to experience this larger thing that God is about the business of that. This is, 
the, the part of what God is doing, God's global project, I said, is to make a people for himself. Mm-hmm. Now, that's just not how we think. we think. God's global project is to come and rescue me, to meet my needs, to be for me what I want. And, and this, again, this is one of those ways of God flipping stuff upside down mm-hmm. and us beginning to see how he means us to be a gift to others and others to be a gift to us, which is a stunning experience when we get to be on the giving and receiving end of that. Mm-hmm. It really is. And then, and then through that, we become his witnesses. Yes. Yeah. Which is where the, this passage kind of ends up with that yeah. trial of all the world religions. And we, as a church, as God's people, are his witnesses that what he says is true. Yeah. Yeah. And that who he is, is true. And what he has done is true. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I think um, what our experience of him is true. I think it's John Oswald who used this phrase that I uh, borrowed in that last section of our being living evidence of, of these things being true about God. So Mm -hmm. You know, I think, I think in the 50s, 60s, 70s, the way we thought about witness was an awful lot about, you know, first say this, then say this, then say this, then ask them to give their life to Christ, mm-hmm. which, which assumes a whole lot in terms of a common worldview and, at a, and a shared starting point, which we just are just not assumptions we can make anymore. We, we largely are, are stepping towards people whose backs are turned away from the church, uh, mm-hmm. who, who don't want anything to do with it. Um, and so it, it is my having, my being overwhelmed and in awe that God created me. And my having experienced myself, the presence of God in the hardest and the best parts of life. And my having been had my life turned upside down through this substitutionary sacrifice this exchange of life for life that this god has loved me sacrificially i'm defined by by his love i am precious and honored in his sight and loved Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i have been folded in the people of god who strengthened me and whom i strengthen and then i just go live my life I really think that's what part of what God means is, and not then I go do this program, but I just go out as a person whose life has been transformed by those realities. Mm. And, and I think those realities, you know, the best evidence of those, (laughs) I'm trying to say like four things at once. Uh, (laughs) Our witness will lead to people going, huh, I wonder if there's something in what you're saying. Mm. What brings that about? It isn't a compelling, cogent argument. Not anymore. Mm. No. Mm-hmm. It's compelling, cogent, otherwise unexplainable life. Your life makes no sense. None. Mm. The way you give yourself away, the, the way you are so generous with your time, the way you are so kind and patient, your life makes no sense in this broken world of ours that leads me to wonder if there is something to it. I I think that's, Hmm. which takes us back to love your neighbor. You know, we, 
Which it does. Yes. That living evidence thing of yeah. letting our having been loved and honored by God spill its way out to the lives of the people around us. Hmm. Yeah. And it's challenging. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we will not do that perfectly. And that is the incredible joy is that the same God who is present with us mm-hmm. as we go through challenges and around us as we enjoy the people of God is somehow present in and through us to the people around us. I carry the Holy Spirit with me mm-hmm. into every interaction I have with someone. And they are going to encounter I guarantee you, bumbling, stumbling, ineffective me alongside beautiful, compelling, alluring spirit of God. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And it's, yeah, it's a mystery. Mm-hmm. Or as my oldest would say when he was six, it's a maestri. It's <laughs> great. I love it. It is a maestri. <laughs> it's a maestri. It's a maestri and it's a beautiful one. Yeah, it is. And a privilege to be a part of it as well. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just as we conclude, the one thought I would want to go back to, we've talked about a lot of different things and some of it has actually shifted to God's, I mean, this very uh, challenging call to be the people of God in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, But the whole reason we went to this passage was just to remind us how big God is, how good God is, how much he loves us, how he is with us, how he is for us, how he has surrounded us. Um, and not to come away from it going, oh, one more thing I need to do. Mm. Um, I mean, I think, I think this is really meant to just speak deep rest to us as we come into the fall. Mm-hmm. Fall is a time when everybody's gearing up and we've got our calendars filled with all the ought to's, have to's, better do's. And, and we just wanted to be able to give them by saying, just be still and rest in who God is. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we're actually going to be, as you know, now, based on just the decision we made yesterday uh, mm-hmm. together as a lead team, um, rather than jumping into our fall stuff, we're just going to stay here and consider further over the next few Sundays. What does it mean to just find our rest in God? Mm-hmm. I really am looking forward to that. Yes, I am too. I am too. I think, um, I know I am weary of the uncertainty and of the not knowing, um, which, which we really never knew, but (laughs) like, it's at a whole new level of not knowing. Right. (laughs) And, um, and, and also I think weary of, of distractions of the self numbing that we've been doing in order to make it through the past 18 months. So I'm looking forward to uh, exploring rest and, and silence and stillness. Me too. Um, yeah, that will be good. Well, I thank you, David, for thank your you, time Michelle. today. And thank you for joining us, our audience, whether you are on live on um, Facebook or watching us later on Facebook, on our blog, or listening to us on the podcast. We appreciate your time, um, spending your time with us. And um, I will see you next Wednesday. Thanks, Michelle. <laughs> Grace on you all. Bye-bye. Bye. Love you. <laughs>